0: This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. All right, welcome to the Dominique Foxworth Show. We're going to do the show a little bit differently today. because We got some uh, more serious topics. I think we're going to dive into um, the NFL, how they go forward, given the current state uh, of the DeMar Hamlin um, tragedy, I guess is the best way to put it. And from there, we're going to talk about um, – Dana White's uh, domestic violence incident with his wife in, in Mexico. So I guess, um, Charlie, welcome to the show, buddy. Where do you want to start? I feel like we should, um, I guess I shouldn't ask you, I should tell you because uh, it's my show or whatever. Um, let's start Let's start with the football stuff. Um, as of now, I guess we should give a time update. It's Wednesday uh january 4th at 322 uh nothing's really changed i know we had some relatively good news this morning uh the amount of oxygen that uh that Damar hamlin was being given went down i think to 50% so that's like a positive sign um so yeah i think that's the only bit of update we have we also got the the memo from Roger Goodell saying that things would go forward with week 18 as usual, but we have no update on what they're going to do about the the uh, bills Bengals game where,
1: where Hamlin was hurt. Um, so there are a million ways that this can go and this can proceed with the NFL. And I don't want to sound callous in the fact that we're going to discuss them, but that's also what we do. Um Beyond that, and we're obviously still thinking about Damar Hamlin and how his health is the priority. But there are several questions that come out of this that I'm fascinated to know what you think they should do logistically, morally, and what you would do if you were in the, un- in the room as a, as a union leader. And the first one, and I think we should start with this question, is in 2001, they postponed the league for a week and then just cut out a week before the Super Bowl. Do you think that's a path that the NFL should consider going down, knowing that the hardest thing for these leagues is to press pause and they made that hard decision on Monday night already?
0: Yeah, so 2001 was 9-11. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was an enormous event. And like, so these like monoculture like events that it feels like the whole all of America actually cares about at the same time, They seem so infrequent these days. I don't know if they were more frequent in the past, but this is certainly one of them. And it's one of those few times where the NFL, like the NFL has a lot of people's attention and we think it has everyone's attention because we live in this world. But right now it actually kind of has everyone in the country's attention. So I think how they handle this going forward will have an impact. So I think the first thing that we start with is you got to kind of work in the way I would structure this if I was in charge is you work in, in circles starting at the center of this particular crisis. And you have different teams working on the bigger kind of concentric circles. So the first one is DeMar Hamlin. Mm -hmm. So you shouldn't do anything or you should do everything that you can to help him. And you shouldn't do anything that is going to hurt him. And then from there, it's to his his close family. And then from there, it's his team. And then it's the Bengals and the broader league. So starting with DeMar Hamlin, I think the uh the way the schedule plays out is irrelevant yeah so I, I as um uncomfortable as it is i think to talk about all that stuff i don't feel terribly like unethical or immoral trying to make a plan for that because playing football is not going to like improve or degrade his condition. Right. So I, I think getting that out the way. And and then, so the, the next thing is like his family's feelings and, mm-hmm. and how this impacts them. That's a conversation that you need to have. And I don't know, and weigh the risk and rewards of how you want to impact them because you don't want to be, uh, You don't want to exacerbate anybody's pain Mm -hmm. in that situation. However, this, well, I guess it's not, however, I think, period. Then assuming that playing football is not going to do some great damage to them, you then look at the bills. And I think this is where it actually gets really, really thorny and complicated because you don't want to make the bills. You don't want to punish the bills for having a tragedy take place, which is what's going to end up happening. And that's the thing. There's no scenario that I have imagined. And I've talked about this this morning on get up and I've, um, obviously thought about it a bunch, but there really is no scenario that does not, um, negatively impact the bills and the Bengals for that matter, because, Mm -hmm. um, it's too late to have the game this week, so they're all going to play. And right now, the Bills, uh, yeah, that's another thing. Put a bookmark in this. We'll come back to the yeah. to this discussion. It's like just the Bills game, preparing for a game this week against the Patriots. Um, But we'll put a bookmark in that. But the potential outcomes. Declare the game a no contest. And mm-hmm. just wipe it off and the Bills and the Bengals play one less game than everyone else. You just right. determine seeding based on win percentage. The Chiefs likely win against the Raiders, and then the Chiefs get the number one seed. And the Bills have the number one seed taken taken from them because um their safety's heart stopped on the field.
1: Right. And they would be 13 and 3, presumably if they beat right. the Patriots. The Chiefs would be 14 and 3. Presumably the Bengals would be 12 and four Um, all all the three teams at play for the number one seed.
0: Yeah. And then for the Bengals, the situation is a little bit different. They Mm -hmm. don't have a shot at the number one seed, which they would have um, had. They, they had the lead over the bills and they beat the chiefs and they had a shot at the number one seed, but now that's out the window if this game is thrown out. Mm -hmm. Um, But the Bengals, it kind of helps them when it comes to winning the, their division and that now the Ravens can't have a better win percentage than them in their division. But if they were to lose to, if the Bengals lost to the bills, then the Ravens could have beaten the Bengals uh, and taken over that spot. But okay. So the one scenario is you throw the game out. Um, The other scenario is you, push everything back one week, and then the Bills and the Bengals play their game in an isolated week by themselves. Um, that levels the playing field as far as number of games is cons- is concerned, but it also affords everyone else in the league a bye. And, and if the Bills end up losing that game, <laughs> they don't have a bye and they're still... Yeah impacted negatively. So um, and then we have two weeks between the Super Bowl this year. Right. I think that's what mm-hmm. yeah. been here. hearing. So there's room to push it back and all that stuff. But I think as much as I've thought about all this, there's no way to do this fairly. Yeah. At this point in the season, because it's not like the COVID year where everybody was dealing with stuff. And I think the best case scenario or what I would um, probably advocate for is no contest, throw the game out. They play less yeah. games. The chiefs more than likely get the number one seed and, and you go forward. What do you think?
1: I completely agree. Um, and my question is, so I am Jen generally with you on a, a path towards normalcy while there, while it will never be normal, just mm-hmm. because that seems to be almost the only path. But I do wonder if you're a football player right now, do you almost need a week to be with your family? Cause I I actually thought about this. Like there's it was really scary to watch, but yeah. there was a cognitive dissonance knowing that it wasn't scary for me as a right. person on the couch. Yeah. Um but I have to imagine, even in this hyper masculine sport, uh that there are people who are scared to play football this week. And I don't know if that changes in a week off or if it's just a, like a period of like thought and reflection, but I also like, basically I'm with you. I, I would declare it a no contest, but I wouldn't take off the table, just postponing everything a week. And the reason yeah. I say that is I actually think the hard decision was already made to stop that game. That was actually hard for the NFL, no matter how easy it was for us to see it had to happen. Mm-hmm. They had never done that. They had never really done that before. Right. And now I don't think that being overly empathetic and taking an extra week and giving up your day on Saturday and Sunday, where you are like the TV monster will affect them as much as the fact that you can gain the trust of your players and do almost what's right. And I don't know if that's right. It's just something that I thought yeah. about.
0: So the gain of trust of the players is where you, you draw a laugh out of me. Yeah. Th- and I, wasn't tri- I
1: wasn't trying to, I just was, yeah, I, I, I know that.
0: you weren't trying to, yeah. but that's not their concern. I think, and I I I don't mean to vilify the league or Roger or Troy Vincent or anybody. I think they have priorities. I think the players are, are on that list, but they are not as high as we would expect them to be. And but so is there
1: ever a moment, wouldn't now be the moment that it'd be like, hey, you guys are the priority? At what cost, though? Yeah, <laughs> like, I guess that billions of dollars.
0: No, it's not. No, this I I would love for that to be the case, but no, mm-hmm. it's not because the cost it, for them is I don't know how to calculate it, but it seems pretty great. I think there was one the scenario that we didn't consider is postpone everything a week and mm-hmm. still not make up the game, which is yes. I think kind of what you were putting on the table. Yeah. Um, I think that's really unlikely. Yeah
1: definitely the least likely scenario but something that so, i thought
0: yeah to the first point that you were making is like what is what it must be like for the players in this situation and i don't know it was interesting like bringing up the 9-11 thing is interesting because at least for the the first few hours after that you were in dc at the time mm-hmm. and people who are in new york at the time even more so because like the pentagon got hit which is in virginia but it's a dc area The reason why I think that's an interesting thing to bring up is because that's probably the closest you can get, any of us can get, who aren't football players, who aren't active football players, to understanding what they must feel like. Because in those hours afterwards, we didn't know, (laughs) you know, and you felt like anything could happen to any of us anywhere, and maybe not like in the middle of the country, but for people who are in D.C. and New York, we were kind of like what the f yeah like what is what is really happening right now i was at maryland at the time and they canceled practice canceled um university of maryland which is 20 minutes from dc They canceled practice they canceled that week of games and all that stuff but i remember like thinking oh i don't know like being a little bit like unsure and so i bring that up because the players all of them and we talk so much about how good athletes are at compartmentalizing and football players are compartmentalizing and I've seen it before and that's why like you know me you know me long enough to know that when people when coaches start talking about this player is a distraction or we don't want any distractions I right. like say it's it's hogwash it's just some like language that coaches use cuz they just want more control right because I've been on teams where players had um parents die had siblings die had um had love triangles with their teammates and it lead to like tension in the locker room where guys had fist fights with each other on the airplane and all that stuff can be car- compartmentalized because none of that stuff's on the field. The hard right. thing about compartmentalizing this and moving forward is it's right in the middle of the compartment. Right, like, It is doing the thing that you do. So I don't know how you compartmentalize just the thought, because, and I think this goes to the point of us pointing out that it felt like a routine play. Yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't flag anybody for what happened. You can't change the way you play to make it safer. So like
1: felt like a nonviolent play in a violent sport.
0: The next time anyone does the next time we have a football play, any football play, it's going to be on the players' mind because it's not like the next time someone goes for a big catch over the middle and a safety is coming for him, or the next time a quarterback gets blindsided. No, it's the next time any football play happens. It's going to be on uh, the players' minds until there is some other explanation given that like puts the players at ease. Like if we learn that there was some other complication, some other pre-existing condition, some other element that is the reason why this happened and we can check i know um ryan clark talks a lot about um how he had he has the sickle cell trait and playing at altitude he almost lost his life i also have the sickle cell trait something that quite a few black people have and i played in denver for three years (laughs) and i didn't know about ryan's issue and i didn't know that i was at higher risk until after I got traded to Atlanta and I say that because it wasn't in my mind, you know? Yeah. And like, while I was playing with that risk and I never, fortunately whatever happened in Ryan's body never happened in mine. So I never had to be confronted with the life or death situation, but I don't know what I would have thought in that situation. So that's for all the players, not just, the Bills, every single football player, when they go play again, college, pro, whatever, they're going to be like, oh, I don't know, like this is there's going to be some trepidation. Um, But for the the Bills specifically. I, I think we want to talk about the NFL as one thing. And we want to talk about the Bills as one thing. And like, say, this is how the Bills feel. Yeah. And this is what the Bills want. And this is what's best for the Bills. And it's not. There's 50 plus players and a bunch of coaches. And I promise you that not everyone feels the same way. I promise you that there are some players who are thinking right now, I really just want to focus on winning this Super Bowl. I can't do anything about anything else. What will make me feel better is playing these games and being number one seed and winning the championship that will make me feel best. And I'm sure there are guys who are like, I don't ever want to put on a helmet again. And there's a bunch of guys in between there. So that also complicates how we think about doing what's best in this situation, because what's best for one player or person is not what's best for everyone.
1: And so when I follow up with that is what that is, I, I totally get that. And I've thought about that a lot. It's like, basically even You know, people in the organization who know the players well, like this is a, everyone's going to react to this somewhat differently. Um, And some people want normalcy, some people want different things. But the question I have about compartmentalizing is does fairness even really matter right now? Like, will in these players who can compartmentalize and play football and separate these things, does the concept of being 13 and 3 versus 14 and 3 or having to be the two seed and play uh, a game a week earlier is that nearly as important to them as it was a week ago and will they think about that on the super bowl run cuz i was thinking about it it's like probably not like if if you're a supremely confident athlete once you get there you're not really thinking about your seed as much you're just playing the game and like i almost wonder if 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 i've been fantasy football brained because I know that this was the last week of the fantasy playoffs. So I was like, do the these games have to happen for X, Y, and Z? And it's like, do they at all? Does it does that matter to these players? Does that matter to the organizations as much?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to what I was just saying. It's different for different players. Yeah. And I think um by and large, I think it does matter. Mm-hmm. And I think it it matters more. Probably in part because of what happened to them. And um, if there was like some extreme weather event or if there was some, like, I don't know, a, a terrorist threat, some other reason that canceled the game, and then the players, as a result, they could not make up the game and they were hurt by this, their standing was hurt by this. I think guys would be upset. But they would say at some point they would come to the understanding that like it was out of our control. Mm -hmm. And this is like the other end of that is like they were something happened. There was a traumatic event that happened to a person on their team and also happened to them. And the result of that event is not only that he's fighting for his life, but that we get punished for something yeah. that we we worked for since training camp. And honestly, it's since before I'm, training camp. Yeah. This is windows for winning championships are not eternal. Yeah, And everybody wants to win a championship. And everyone wants to get to NFL. And everyone, this may be their best opportunity. And I know it's irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. But... I don't think that's how they think because I don't think that's how anybody thinks. You know, like yeah, you don't think like I have to have this or that.
1: And it's not, it's not irrelevant. Like people care about what they do and what they've yeah. worked for their entire life. Like that's important.
0: Yeah, and I, I've, I've talked before about how um one of my teammates in Denver was killed. The following year, mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of conversation which upset me, but I think maybe gave other people purpose. But it was a lot of conversation about like doing this for him and like dedicating this to him and like, yeah. he would really want to be here and we need to make the best of this opportunity. Cause he's not here. Um, there was a lot of that and it didn't sit right with me, but it, it, maybe it was a way that other people dealt with it. I can imagine that there are people on this team who are like, man, we really got to win the Bowl now. Mm-hmm. And we really got to stay focused for him because while I'm feeling this pain and I don't want to be sitting in this meeting room right now, I don't want to be practicing. I don't want to be playing games. DeMar Hamlin and his family would give anything for him to be here right now too. Right. And I don't think that's not, I don't think that's not the way my brain would work in a situation like this. I'd be more likely to like, just like turtle up and be like, I don't care about any of this shit. But, mm-hmm which I'm not saying that is right or wrong or I'm proud of it or embarrassed by it. But I think that there are a lot of players who, who are more proactive and like want to go out and like do this for him and not even do it for him, do it for themselves and like, feel like that's all you can do. So yeah, I think this is an impossible and possible situation to get right. I don't think there is a way to get this right. Yeah. There's no, there's no right way to do any of this.
1: And then I've, I think we're near the the close on what we know now and what we can say now as we're speculating. But we haven't heard from Roger Goodell. And my last question is this is a huge dilemma for him, ethically versus financially versus what's fair um, for the league and the teams. Is do you think we need to hear from him soon? Do you expect to hear from him soon? And what can, is there a way that he could handle this that actually helps?
0: Um, no, this is one of those situations where you're trying to uh, like they say about the president, the big problem, the only big problems get to his desk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that same way about Roger in this situation is you're looking for the best of bad um, options. So, yeah, they're. There's no scenario that is like, oh, that was the move. You mm-hmm. did it right. Everyone's happy. Like this is there's there's no scenario where this works out well. And and also like, Demar Hamlin's health is not in Roger Goodell's control. Right. What happens with his health is going to impact the way we all feel about this more than any decision that Roger Goodell makes. He could he could bungle all of this stuff and do it all the wrong way. But if DeMar Hamlin can walk out on the field at the Super Bowl, whether the Bills are there or not, and wave to the fans, that will be a, it'll feel like a win.
2: Yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com D-F today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P D-F.
0: Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
2: Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network.
0: So, um, that is that, I guess, um, there is no graceful transition, from that mm-hmm. to the other story that uh, I thought it was important we talk about, but I think we should talk about Dana White's domestic violence incident with his wife, Anne, uh, at, a, at a nightclub in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. Uh, if you saw the TMZ video, uh, Anne hit Dana, and then he slapped her back, uh, looked like a couple, two, or three times, and... Then he uh once the story got out and it it kind of seemed like the story came out and the video came out in conjunction with Dana's like explanation for mm-hmm. it he I mean he like took responsibility in the way that you can take responsibility or i mean I don't know he I, 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 yeah mm-hmm.
1: they were both on TMz their video released and shortly yeah. after. White was interviewed by TMZ and he apologized and his wife said it was not in character and alcohol-fueled, um, yeah. etc. Cetera, et cetera. Yeah,
0: I guess that's the point I was trying to make is I before I saw the video and before I read up on it, I'd heard people talking about Dana blaming alcohol, but it wasn't him that blamed alcohol. It was his wife. And to be clear, Dana White, if you don't know who he is, he's the president of UFC. Um, and I guess also like
1: uh, um
0: Yeah. It, it's, the only
1: consistent face of the UFC, as fight, uh, as fighters come and go quickly, seems that anyone who gets a loss is forgotten, whether it's anyone but Conor McGregor, whether, whether it's Silva or Ronda Rousey. Dana White has been there from the beginning. He has been sort of the circus conductor of the UFC.
0: The thing that I think is important to say about this is his wife shouldn't have hit him. But that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh to me. So like, I, I feel like that's the, that's the strand that needs to be addressed. I think everyone, there's no reasonable person who believes that domestic violence is okay. And you can defend it. I think that there are people who think that, well, if she hit me first, it's okay. Right. Which I, I think that <sighs> there's this thing about responsibility in my view and, um, and power. And it's not only about violence. Like, there's more expected of people with more power. And mm-hmm. and Dana White has more power in, like, the traditional sense as far as a... He's a president of UFC, and he's, like, famous and rich and all that stuff. But also, like, he's physically more powerful and, like, stronger. And, and uh... Like, yeah. I, I, if someone thinks that... If people believe that his wife, Anne, needs to face some sort of repercussions for um hitting dana i I mean sure i don't care i'm not gonna jump on like in the middle of that but if i just don't want anyone to think that dana white does not deserve some repercussions and some consequences for retaliating in the way that he did because yeah um i don't want to trivialize this in any way but like there's different expectations for people who have different amount of power and physical strength. It's like, it's yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know how else to put it. I don't think there's, there's much to debate. There's much to discuss other than that point. Is there anything else in this that you think needs to, we need to address? I mean,
1: a lot of people, so this story has been drastically undercovered um, a lot. And I think people look at the gradations of that. He, he didn't knock his wife out like ray rice which i think is the wrong way to look at the story but i think that's popped up online um and i think that you know people have looked at that there could be ignominious reasons why it's not been covered as much because of partnerships with different networks because of connections with us ufc to whether it's wme or espn or different pay-per-view events um i think you're right that's important to just spotlight this because Dana White, people are all takes exposing and talking about his comments about Ray Rice in 2014 um, and how he said that there was a zero tolerance policy for domestic violence. But then he signed Greg Hardy, re-signed Tiago Silva. Um, and it seemed that he just thought value to the company was enough with a slap on the wrist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not like a UFC fan. I understand that there's an implicit buy-in of that you're sort of buying into something gross and violent and not ethical when you become a fan or a watcher of it. Um, So I don't know what the right path is for, but I do think it's important that if it's someone who's this powerful that we've learned over the past years, um, holding people in power accountable is important to just shine a spotlight that he did this and it's getting undercover and a lot of people don't know. And it should be, he should be held responsible.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I'm, I like you, I'm not like a big UFC fan. so it feels a little weird to mosey in and tell people how to run it, but also somebody needs to talk about it. And yeah. they, they are, I don't know how mainstream it is, but like, it's, it's a, you don't get to explain it away by saying, but it's mixed martial arts. This is MMA. This is different. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that people are explaining it that way, but I do feel that air around this where it's like, no, it's a little different. Like Dana White shouldn't be held because if if um I don't wanna name any anybody specifically, but if someone else who ran a major sport mm-hmm. any of the major sports, which is what u f c aspires to be, if anyone else who ran a major sport had a video like this, it wouldn't be flying under the radar the way this Dana White thing is, and something would be done, and something would would um there'd be some uh, there'd be consequences for it and I, I think even though I'm not like some super UFC fan I think that it's fair for all of us to to expect Dana White to pay some consequences yeah for um for his actions
1: and to be clear genuinely neither of us know exactly what to do because people say this all the time that no one is bigger than their sport but he sort of is that sport yeah. in a certain way and like Not to break it down that way, but his value is completely unique to the product that he helped create and popularize. And we'd be crazy to say that that's not being considered when this is being covered. Um, But we'd also be crazy to ignore it because he's powerful, because that'd be the exact wrong way to handle it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he said a lot of the right things, but I think he needs to take action. Like, I think that's the best thing that he can do, because I um, I guess who would punish him if... um, if he's not going to face like charges in the court of law, like who is the who is the body that will punish him? I guess WME, um, mm-hmm. who owns UFC, uh, could punish him, or I mean, like, I guess ESPN is more of a partner than yeah. They they wouldn't be able. I, I guess they could behind closed doors call for some sort of action, but they can't like actually inflict any punishment. I think that he needs to. Go ahead and like take some time off, mm-hmm. commit to counseling, give the donations, like do all the things that you're that you would ask of your of your athletes.
1: That's mm-hmm. that's it. Um, before we go, we can tease slight tone change here, but we are gonna have fun episodes next uh, next week where we talk more about the NFL in NFL award season in the playoffs. So yeah. we were serious today because we really care about this stuff, yeah. but we also care about you, the audience and want to talk about football and fun stuff and other and laugh together soon.
0: All right. Thank you guys. Um, this has been a different week for sports and I appreciate uh, everyone for sticking with us. And, um, yeah, I think things will be closer to normal next week, and I look forward to getting back to that. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Sarah Abbott. Thanks, Christina Buslow and Addy Khan. Appreciate you all.
1: And thank you, Dominique Foxworth, for being a voice of reason. This
0: <laughs> week. All right, cut that off. No, leave it in. Edit it out, Christina. Leave it in. Bye. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.